0: And today we're going to learn how to access those rivers of living water. You know, I fully expected the prayer mandate to go in a different direction today. But when I entered into prayer this morning, the Lord told me to open the Bible. And and when I opened it, it opened immediately to John 4. And as I began to read, I realized what it was that he wanted to say today. So I'm going to read to you the account of Jesus and the Sumerian woman. In the book of John, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And as we read through, I want you to see what the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to this woman. Because you see, the disciples, they never wanted to go through Samaria. Samaria was a vile, wicked place. When we talked about the wickedness of that woman, Jezebel, in a previous podcast, we have to recognize that the deities that she worshipped, Baal and Asheroth, originated in Samaria. In that language, The deity that Jezebel served was called Samarimus, hence the Samarians in the land of Samaria. These people were the origin of evil in the eyes of the Jews, and they were very much avoided. But here comes Jesus, and he says, no, we're not going around. We're going right in to the enemy's camp because he had something to decree. He had something to say to the enemy. And he was going into his territory to do it. So we read, starting in verse 1, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judah and departed again into Galilee. And he must need go through Samaria. It's important to recognize that Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria it wasn't a happenstance but it was with intent that the Lord said I have to go through Samaria in verse 5 it says then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sakaar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph now Jacob's well was there Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with the Sumerians. This woman was amazed that this Jewish man would even speak to her, much less ask of her a drink of water. For the reasons that I mentioned earlier, the Jews had absolutely no dealings with the Sumerians because they were so vile and so inclined to worship these demonic gods. In verse 10, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living waters. Now I have to explain what's taking place here because even the woman herself did not understand what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. Remember that I said that Jesus had to go into the enemy's territory to make a proclamation that he was going to take the territory in a way that nobody expected. And so we see him here having a conversation with this Sumerian woman. She was of a nationality that the Jews did not associate with, and a woman nonetheless. And here Jesus is saying to her, if you knew who you were talking to, and if you would but ask of me, I would give you living waters. Now what does this mean, living water? Jesus was making a proclamation that he was going to bring the fulfillment of the prophecy given by the prophet Joel when he said that in the latter times, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And for that answer, we have to jump really quick to John chapter 7, verse 37, where it says, in the last day, that great day of the feast which was Pentecost, which we talked about yesterday in the message about the blood. During the last day of this feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So in the book of John, it makes it very plain with no need for interpretation that the river of living water was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The very favor, power, and influence of God himself placed inside earthen vessels. Between the time of the last prophet Malachi and the emergence of Jesus Christ, there was a period of 400 years where there was no true prophetic voice coming forth to declare truth to the people. And in this time period, the church had become very corrupt. The Roman Empire was occupying Jerusalem. And the church of Jerusalem, the temples of those days, had become Hellenized. They had become very decadent. They had become very desirous of the things of Rome, of the material things of this world. And they had incorporated much of the Hellenistic worship into the church of Israel. Instead of walking and serving among the lowly, they were making themselves rulers over others. They were walking in vain glory. They were incorporating the things of the pagan world into the worship of the church. They had mixed so much that many could not tell the difference between what was scriptural and what was counterfeit. The Bible says that the priests ought to teach the people how to discern between what is clean and unclean, what is holy and unholy. But this was not being done anymore. In fact, much of the church had even been sold, literally selling out to this compromising counterfeit of Hellenistic worship. It was this corruption that upset Jesus so much when he walked into the temple and began to rebuke and crack the whip. Because you see, God has always called his people to be separate. The word holy means set apart, separate from the world. Because the Bible says to be friends with the world makes you the enemy of God. But he has called us wholly unto himself to stand in the unity of the spirit, in love for all men, but in agreement with his word. And so during this time period, there were a people called the Essenes, and they were so grieved in their spirit by what they saw going on in their church, how it had become so much like the world, and so unlike God, and in opposition to the words of God. So this people took the word of God and they said, we will do what it says. We will make ourselves holy and set apart and we will separate from this system. And so they went out into the desert. Many of them were well off. They were businessmen. They were incorporated into this world system. But because of the love of God, they left it all behind and were willing to follow the word of God out into the wilderness. And in this wilderness, the Essenes devoted themselves. To the study and agreement and alignment with the word of God. So in a time when there was really very little understanding of the true scripture because people had so taken in these false teachings and these compromises and cooperations with the world system. That they had lost the reality of the God of the Bible, the God of Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, and Moses, the God of Israel. They did not understand that this God expects us to stand holy and apart from the things that are opposed to it. And therefore, they went out to learn the truth. They went out into the wilderness and they sat and allowed themselves to be taught by God. And it was in this wilderness that God preserved the word of God and the revelation of God and the truth of God while the others in the city were being corrupted more and more and more every day. Now it was not easy for the Essenes to live where they did, to give up the ease and the pleasure and the conveniences of living in the city to go out into this wilderness where it was hot, triple-digit heat most of the year. There was little to eat. It was hard work. It was labor-intensive. They had to give up almost all that they had. They had to be willing to live with very little in order that they might be filled with much. But it was in this place that God birthed the man who would be called by Jesus Christ himself, the greatest prophet that the world has ever known. You see, because as they began to search the scriptures and seek the Lord and devote themselves in love to one another and obedience to the word, God began to pour out in them and they had this belief. That out of this wilderness place that nobody wanted, that nobody wanted to go to, that nobody wanted to be part of, that God would use them to prepare the way of the Lord. It was in this place that we see the first vestiges of the type of baptism that we're used to today. In fact, it was by the instruction of the Lord directly to the Essenes that they created the first baptismal. This is before the time of Christ. And it's also the first times that we see teachings about our modern concept of living water because you see the Essenes they began to baptize as an outward showing of an inward change that they had been cleansed by the word of God. Therefore they washed themselves in the water of God as representative but it had to be in living water. Which means that they couldn't just have water hauled into a tank and be dunked in it or it wasn't counted sufficient. It had to be water that was still flowing under the leading of God. Therefore, did they actually dig a tributary from a nearby stream? and have it pour directly into their baptismal because you see, the living water always represented the Holy Spirit. And if the flowing of that spirit is not under the full power and direction of God himself, then it is dead, it is worthless, it is counterfeit. Just water wasn't good enough, it had to be living water. Water moving under the flow and power of God himself. This is why we see many a dead service and many a dead church because there's water but it's not living water. Oh, we try to bring it in. We try to bucket it in. We try to mimic what we saw on TV. We try to mimic what we saw work down the street. We try to mimic the churches that are walking in Hellenistic worship. But when we humble ourselves and recognize that we can't make it happen. And in humility, we set forth the labor that it takes to ensure that what flows in our church is flowing completely. By the leading and power of God himself, we will have living water. The true Holy Spirit will flow. Because you see, it was hard work for them to dig that tributary. They had to dig it out, out of rock, out of the mountain, out of the desert. But they did it under the obedience of the Lord because God wanted to say something. He wanted to say, you know what, sometimes it's hard work to dig it out. Sometimes you got to get on your knees and pray it out. Sometimes you've got to fast and wait it out. Sometimes you've got to give up what you want. It to do, to do what He says to do. Sometimes you've got to be willing to be broken and crushed and walk it out in blood, sweat, and tears in faith because of a word that He has given you that seems absolutely ridiculous or impossible. But by faith, we're going to stand on it. We're going to obey it. We're going to walk in it to see the power of living water flow under the direction of God. And so, this is where the first concepts of living water started. And it was in this desert, amongst these people, And these practices that God brought forth a man named John the Baptist. A man devout, devoted to the word of God. He spent 30 years in this hard wilderness, devoted to the word of God, seeking out the heart of God, being taught by God, hearing God, praying, communion, fasting, sacrificing, being separated from everything else that might pollute him, but standing united with the spirit of God. 30 years he spent in this wilderness being taught of God for a ministry that would last only six months, but it would change the world. Because Jesus himself said that there was never a prophet birthed by women greater than John the Baptist. And I love when Leonard Ravenhill says that this man who was counted the greatest prophet by God himself, he never healed the sick, he never raised the dead, but he raised a dead nation. He came out of that wilderness with a revelation of the word of God and he spoke truth even though nobody wanted to hear it. He stood and he professed, repent, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I know you want to see a show. I know you want to have a party. I know you want everybody to like you I know you want a stage but I'm telling you a true prophet of the living God comes out and he says repent make your crooked way straight and prepare ye the way of the Lord because the kingdom of heaven is here now and he is taking account of every word and every thought and every intent of the heart and we will be held accountable to the Word of God one day therefore we have to come out from among them be ye separate walk in the unity of the spirit of God, come into agreement with the word of God, believe it and be it, live it so that others can see it. That's what John the Baptist did. And that's why Jesus said that he was the greatest. Let me take you a little further back than that. The prophet Ezekiel, he spoke of a vision of the temple of God. At this time, the presence of God resided in the temple of God, but he saw this river coming out of the temple, a river of living water and it started out small as a trickle but it spread out and then it was waters to walk in and then waters to the knee and then waters to the waist and then waters to swim in and it would became waters so deep that you had to just let go to the flow of it. Then he says there was a great multitude of fish and there was fruit on all sides and there was a great harvest because you see that river of living water, just like Jesus said, it represented the Holy Spirit of the living God, resided in the physical temple, but he was seeing prophetically a time when it would come out of the temple. And at first it would start as a trickle, but it would grow and it would grow and it would increase and it would increase from beginning to end. It is ever increasing. But my friend, I'm telling you, some are only walking ankle deep, some are only walking knee deep, some are only walking waist deep because the scariest part is when you transition from the point where you're walking and you're still in control to where you're fully in and you're surrendered and submitted to the flow of the water. But I'm here to tell you that until you are at a place where you are being led completely by the flow of that spirit to you, it has not yet become living water because living water is water that is moving under the flow and direction of God himself. And you must surrender all control to it and say, yes, Lord, have your way. I am your servant. I'm not here to perform. I'm not here to put on a show. I'm not here to be seen. I'm here to be used by you. I've said it before and I'll say it again because I love it so much. But Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest men of God in all of history, said that if you want to be used mightily of God, the first thing you have to do is be delivered from the desire to be seen or heard. My friend, God wants to move. He wants to use. He said, if you will ask of me, I will give you these rivers of living water. But you've got to surrender to the flow of it, because if it is not completely and totally under the power and direct of God himself, it is not living water. And so when Jesus tells the woman in Samaria, see, this woman did not fully grasp what the Holy Spirit was speaking forth into the territory before all the powers and principalities over it. He said that he was going to offer this living water. And the most amazing thing at all is that he told her I would offer it to you. Understand the implications of that. She was a Sumerian and she was a woman. Yet God was saying, no matter your background, I can change your future. No matter who men say that you are, I will make the power available to make you more. Not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is offering living waters. And so we continue to read. In verse 11, it says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water... Shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto ever. Lasting life my friend. I'm telling you that if you're going through a dry spell There is a well available to you and many people will tell you. Oh, it's just a dry spell It's normal. Everybody goes through them. That does not line up with the word of God. Yes People go through them But you don't have to stay in them because jesus said that you will never have to thirst again You have direct access to the fountain of living water You have direct access to the holy spirit of the living God You can seek him and get that word on time and in season You can seek him and get that revelation. He's willing to teach it and release it to you. Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will lead you into all truth. You can find your personal wilderness and be taught directly of the Lord. You can come out of that Hellenistic system and be set apart and holy unto the Lord. You can be united with the spirit of the living God and have the power of God flow through you. But you've got to surrender and submit yourself fully to the leading of the hand of God. You've got to trust him. You've got to believe. You've got to lay down all that you think you can do and surrender to the flow of that river of living water. So it can bring you to all the things you never could get to on your own. So that it could bring you to that sea teeming with fish. So it can bring you to the multitudes that are needing to be caught. So that it can bring you to that place of fruitfulness that is promised in the vision of of the river of God. When you get to that deep place. We're not staying in the shallows anymore. We're ready to cast out into the deep. In verse 15 it continues to say. The woman saith unto him. Sir giveth me this water. That I thirst no more. Neither come thither to draw. Jesus saith unto her. Go and call thy husband. And come thither." Now Jesus is doing something very important here. Because in verse 17. The woman answereth and said. I have no husband. And Jesus saith unto her thou hast well said i have no husband for thou hast had five husbands and he whom thou hast now is not thy husband in that saith thou well and then in verse 19 one of the most hilarious verses i find in all of scripture she steps back and looks at him and replies i perceive that thou art a prophet Yeah, I think so, lady, because he just called you out. But here's the thing. He wasn't doing it to be mean. He wasn't doing it to embarrass her. He wasn't doing it out of cruelty or arrogance. He was doing it out of love and compassion because he knew there's no way she could truly receive this river of living water except that she first see the error of her ways and repent. That's why God sent John the Baptist out to preach, repent, repent, prepare ye the way of the Lord. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, God offers us all the power of the kingdom of heaven, but we cannot receive that river of living water until first that we have recognized our sins, acknowledged our sins, and repented of them. So it was not arrogance. It was not a lack of compassion. It was not haughtiness or hatefulness or intolerance that Jesus called out her sin. It was truth the way and the life being made available to her because that she could not receive until she first believed and repented. In verse 20, she continues to say, our father worshiped in this mountain. And ye say as a Jew, of course, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship because that's where the temple was. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh When ye shall neither worship in the mountain, because you see, Baal was always worshiped from the high place. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be worshiped. He wanted to take the higher seat. Baal was always worshiped in the high place. And this is where the Sumerians worshiped, but the Jews, they worshiped in the temple where the presence of God resided. But Jesus tells her, woman, there is coming a time when men will neither worship in the mountain or in the temple at Jerusalem. And then he continues to tell her in 22, you don't even know what you're worshiping because the Bible says that anyone who worships anything but the true God, the God of Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, and Moses, the God of the Bible, anyone who worships anything else, including self, is actually worshiping devils. So he tells her, you don't even realize what you're worshiping. But I'm telling you that the hour cometh and now is. It already was because Christ was there when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth because the father seeketh such to worship him god is looking for people to trust him to believe him to receive him and to walk that out in truth to worship him in spirit to be led of his spirit and to obey it to walk that out in the truth thereof god is searching for a people who will be like those crying in the wilderness repent repent prepare ye the way of the lord he's looking for a people who worship him in spirit and in truth in belief and in action in song and in life in devotion and in expression he wants a people wholly set apart unto himself and 25 it continues and it says the woman saith unto him i know that messiah cometh which is called christ when he is come he shall tell us all things and jesus saith unto her i that speak to thee am he, Jesus, announced himself, professed himself as the Messiah to this Sumerian woman. There were many that sought to know. There were many a priest and a preacher. There were many a scribe. There were many a noble men who wanted to know. But Jesus revealed himself to this Sumerian woman. Because she humbled herself to believe. She already was beginning to acknowledge, to say, you are matching the description of the Messiah. I believe that it's you. Is it? And he said, yes. And in 27, it continues to say, and upon this came the disciples. They walked up to witness this and marveled that he talked with this woman. These disciples who had been with Jesus couldn't believe that he was talking to this woman, that he was revealing himself to her. Yet no man would dare question him about it, though they asked amongst themselves, why is he talking to her? And in 28, it says that upon the revelation that this Christ is the Messiah, that we might receive these rivers of living water, that she understood this is the one we've been waiting for, the way, the truth and the life, the word made flesh, the only way the one that truly deserves to be worshipped. Immediately, it says, she dropped her water pot and went her way into the city and said unto the men, she began to testify. She began to be a witness. She began to preach unto the men of the city. And she said, come and see. A man which told me all things whatsoever I did is not this, the Christ. She went out into Samaria, into the enemy's territory, into the very camp of Baal worship itself and began to preach the gospel and lead men unto Christ and say, come and see this man. Truly, he is the Christ. She was a manifestation of the prophecy coming to fruition that in the last days God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and sons and daughters would prophesy and speak the word of the Lord that we would all see visions and dream dreams and the servants and the handmaidens and the lowly and those who don't seem worthy and the least of these. They will be used of God mightily because he will make his spirit available to all who are willing to humble themselves and recognize their sins, to acknowledge them as sins, repent of them, turn away from them and confess him as Christ and worship him as Christ and believe in your heart enough for it to come out of your mouth that she went out to be a witness of Christ and lead others back to Christ. What a powerful testimony in the life of this Samaritan woman. And now we know why Jesus had to go through Samaria. He went to take the territory, he went to tell the enemy, This is how you lose, because the fire's gonna move. See that living water which represents the Holy Spirit? In the Old Testament times, that fire fell on the sacrifice that was placed on the altar. And it was visibly seen as a fire coming down and resting upon that altar by all the people. And they knew when they saw that fire in the temple that it was the presence of God. But for a long time it had not been seen because that the temple had been defiled. This Hellenistic worship, this merger of the world and the church, this mixture, this agreement with sin had caused the Holy Spirit to depart. But on the day of Pentecost that 120 people praying in that upper room, many of them Jewish, that though they had never seen it, they knew the stories of how the Holy Spirit fell in flames of fire. And as they sat and prayed, and that mighty rushing wind entered in, and that spirit of Fire rested upon their heads, manifested as cloven tongues of fire. They knew what it meant. They knew that it meant that each individual person in this room was now the new temple of God. And the fire, the presence of God had returned and fallen upon it. And this is the realization of what Jesus was professing in Samaria. Because now no longer was worship restricted to the temple in Jerusalem. But now we become the temple and we can carry that presence and that fire out into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. We take it to the enemy's camp but only once that we have received it because even the disciples who spent three and a half years being taught directly by Christ himself, he said, do not leave Jerusalem until that you have been endowed with power from on high. Wait until you receive the fire of the Holy Spirit because you see John the Baptist, when he baptized with water, with that river of living water, which was a representation of the baptism to come, he said, I baptize with water, but there is one coming after me whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, who will baptize you With the fire of the Holy Ghost. And often we read where it says baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. But the literal original translation of what was written there was the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because it is fire. And fire spreads. But fire also burns away the flesh. Fire purifies. Fire changes things. So if you want to get the real fire. Then get into a wilderness. Be taught of God be led of his spirit calm yourself and quiet yourself until you get that word that direction that correction you let it change you and then you go out and let him use you to change the world because you're never going to win the world by being friends with the world because god said that makes you the enemy of god and the power of his spirit will not endorse it you will win the world by being like john the baptist that voice crying in the wilderness Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Lord, we ask for your fire. God, we ask for those rivers of living water. You said in your word that if we would ask, you would give. But God, we have to understand that by asking, we are taking on the responsibility of all that encompasses that John the Baptist spent 30 years in the wilderness to have a ministry that lasted only a few months and ended up costing him his life in the end because many don't want to hear the truth but in love you still have to deliver the truth whether they want it or not and you can't come into agreement with the world but you have to stand in the face of the world saying that though we are in the world we are not of the world but we are the children of the living god and we will walk in unity with the spirit of god in agreement with the word of god and see the power of god manifested that lives might be changed We are not going to bow to the Hellenistic system, to the gods created by the minds and desires of men or even as the Bible says, as the Gentiles do when they don't even realize that they are actually worshipping demons, when they are standing in agreement with the world. And the things that are in contradiction to the word of the living God. God, we choose to worship you. We choose to worship the God of the Bible. Not the God of our own creating and our own making or a God of mixture as the Israelites were doing in that time that so displeased the Lord that he actually wept as he made the whip to go in and correct and to chastise because you love your church, you love your bride, but you will not tolerate them compromising and mixing with the world because you love them and you know that it will damn their soul to hell. You are willing to correct, you are willing to chastise, you are willing to speak the truth, You are willing to take the whip out if it is necessary because you love and you will stop at nothing to bring correction that we might be brought back upon the path of righteousness. And God, we thank you for the faithful men and women of the faith who were willing to speak the truth, even when it cost them their popularity, even when it cost them friendships, even when it cost them engagements, even when it cost them their very lives. But because they loved you and they loved your bride and they loved your truth, they spoke spoke it in hopes that one might be saved, because you, God, are worthy of the reward of your suffering, and if for no other reason but that we love you, we ought to be willing to speak the truth, no matter who likes it, no matter who runs from it, God, we have to do it in love, because you are worthy of the reward of your suffering. You suffered that people might be saved out of their sin, out of their error, out of their compromise, not made comfortable in it. God, we worship you. Jesus, we come before you and we ask for those rivers of living water that might empower us to be that witness, to go out even into the midst of the enemy's camp and not be changed by the world around us, not compromise and join in with it, not become friends with it, but to stand apart from it in unity with your spirit, led by that river of living water flowing completely under the power of God to manifest your word and your truth and your demonstration to speak what ought be spoken that it might be believed and men might be saved because your word is tried it is true it is a buckler it is a shield to all those who believe but the enemy will stop at nothing to get us into agreement with the world into agreement with sin into agreement with error into agreement with doctrines of demons he will do anything he can to get us in agreement with something that is in opposition to the word and will of God because it strips us of authority it strips us of anointing it strips us of protection it strips us of the blessing and it makes us vulnerable to him and I will not do it but I will stand on the word of the living God surrendered and submitted to the flowing of the spirit of God and I will speak what you give me to speak and I will go where you tell me to go And I will give up what I have to give up. No matter what it takes, I'm going to be that voice crying in the wilderness. Repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Make your crooked way straight and prepare the way of the Lord. Because judgment is coming. There is a day coming when all will have to give account for every word spoken. Every thought thought and every work taken. And we will have to give account for the words that we have read and the truths that we have known that we were not willing to speak because of selfishness, because we want it to be part of the world and not set apart, as the word says, set apart wholly unto him Holy, 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 you are holy. The Bible says that day and night, the saints and the elders and the angels of God cry out before the very throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty because they see him and they understand that he is holy and that he says in his word, be ye holy for I am holy. Be set apart. Choose to worship me. Choose to worship the God of the Bible. Be as Joshua when he stood in, in the midst of the promised land and said, I will possess the land by decreeing and declaring that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will not compromise. We will not yoke up with the enemy. We will not be unequally yoked, but we will stand in purity of the word. We will preach the truth. We will be the truth. We will be a demonstration of the truth. And you can go back to the gods of old and you can go to the gods of the land and you can serve the kingdom canaanite deities but as for me and my house we shall serve the lord we shall speak the truth we shall preach the truth and we will bring it out into samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world because that is what living water does that is what the fire does that is where it goes it brings the truth out and it does not compromise it It doesn't change it. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It brings it to those who are willing to believe it and receive it and be changed by it. For the love of God and for the love of souls. I would rather stand for truth and speak truth in love and see one Sumerian changed than to stand in agreement with a multitude of Pharisees and see an entire nation go to hell. I choose your fire, but your fire is a gift and it is a gift given to make us a witness, to empower us, to be a demonstration of your word, to be willing to go forth and deliver it in the fullness of the truth that you have demonstrated with your life and provided for us in your book. If all the world turns to the Hellenistic church, even as all Israel had in that time, I will be the one crying in the wilderness as John the Baptist and the Essenes chose to be, no matter what it costs, saying, repent, prepare ye the way, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Because I know that all men will stand one day before the judgment seat of Christ. And I will be able to stand, as Paul said, with the blood of no man on my hand. Because that I have spoken the truth. I pray that I can stand there with you. And that you are able to say the same. That we didn't sell out for fame. For vainglory, for attention, for pomp, or for a stage. Or even for the acceptance of men but that we were willing to walk it out by faith that in the end we could hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter in to your rest. Because you didn't bring strange fire, but you let the flesh be consumed by Holy Ghost fire. Because you didn't bring dead, stale old water, but you allowed yourself to be completely consumed and moved and left to the leading and direction of the living water. I pray that everyone listening would be willing to say, God, I want a drink of that water. I'm gonna take the time, I'm gonna find my wilderness. I'm gonna find my cave. I'm gonna take the time to sit with you and be taught by you. I'm going to be willing to give up the pleasures of the world, the distractions and the entertainments, to take time to sit in that place of prayer and be taught by your spirit that when you take me out of this wilderness, I will come out in the power of the spirit and the demonstration of the spirit. So that I don't have to rely on strange fire, on talent, on skill, on entertainment. But I can rely on the word of the Lord coming forth out of me like a sword to destroy the works of hell. God, we want that living water. We are willing to dig in to see that it flows into our homes and our lives. We are willing to be washed and be changed by it. That we might then be sent out back into that Hellenistic system to speak truth, to preach truth, even if they hate us for it. Because that's what John the Baptist did. And for it, you said that he was the greatest man the world had ever known. You said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of them all. And he was willing to serve all with the truth, even unto the death. Lord, let us be moved by the leading of your spirit. Let us be set ablaze by your fire that we might say like Jeremiah, I may not even want to say this, but it's like a fire shut up in my bones. And I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you never want to see me again or not. And I'm going to continue to love you and pray for you until that truth takes root. And I'm not going to get offended, but I'm going to continue to speak it because I will not be disarmed by the enemy. But I'm going to let the river flow. Because unless I'm going out with that fire to spread the fire, then there's no purpose in having the fire. Because the spirit was given unto us that we might be temples that are able to go out. That's why the commission was given. Go and tell. Tell them everything. Not just the parts that make them like you. Not just the parts that make them feel good. Tell them everything.